It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts Come on, quit stalling! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David. I'm here with my buddy, Chris, and it's been a few weeks since we've gotten to talk to you, but uh, we are back and have a very uh, fun topic for you this week. I um, hope everybody's doing well. want to tell you before we get started to follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed, like our Instagram page, Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast, like our page on Facebook, and you could subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Podchaser and Stitcher. Uh, we used to be on Earpeeler, but uh, the Earpeeler site um, is uh, is gone out of business. So uh, Victor Ruiz, he was the one that ran that site, and uh, he ran it for about four years, and it just got to be where it was too much. So anyway, appreciate all his effort. He was a, a fan of our podcast and plugged our podcast. So uh, we really appreciate that, Victor. So Chris, I'm, I'm here with you, and uh, we have a fun topic. And uh, like we were talking about before we came on there, it sure is nice uh, to be able to go outside and uh, not feel like you're going to catch on fire. Fall has finally arrived in the South. Yeah. Um, only take, oh, in, the, in these parts, it, it only takes till mid-October to early November, so it usually doesn't take that long, right? Yeah, and we have about but, three um, weeks of good weather, and then it's just bad the rest of the year. Man, I don't care. Give give me give me thirty degrees. I'm good with it. I oh, don't care. Yeah, if you ever hear me complaining, I'm cold. You, you know me well. It's time to go to the emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Chris, last weekend, uh, my wife and I went. I think on fr- yeah Friday afternoon, we went to the movies to see uh, A Star Is Born, and uh, I was off. I was off work that week, and so I, I a lot of the daytime talk shows and whatever were on. Uh, they kept talking about the movie *Stars Born* with uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, and uh, be honest with you, at first I didn't really think, you know, all that much of it. But I thought, uh, well, you know, I, I see a, a big cross section of people are talking about how good the movie is that had seen it, and so um, one of the one of the people was uh, on *Good Morning America* was Michael Strahan, 
and he was just talking about how great of a movie it was. And I was like, well, you know, Michael Strahan likes it. Cause in my head, I kind of had kind of thought it was probably going to be like a Broadway musical or, you know, something like that. And I just, I can't sit through that. But, uh, anyway, uh, I told my wife, I said, we should go, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be good. Uh, Lady Gaga, I mean, you can say what you want to, whether you like pop music or what she does, but she's extremely talented. And so we went to see it and I was blown away by the movie. It has a great story. The music in it is top notch. Lucas Nelson plays a backing member of, uh, Bradley Cooper's band. Bradley Cooper does the singing and Lucas Nelson wrote most of the music, and Jason Isbell wrote one of the ballads, and of course Lady Gaga um, wrote some of her music. But the soundtrack is great, and I mean, you've got Lucas Nelson, Jason Isbell, and you know and Lady Gaga. There's there's nobody that's not a that's not a team of slouches that you have, uh, you know, writing your music. But man, I was just blown away with it. It was a powerful movie. Uh, it kind of explained a lot about the record industry and what people go through. But um, if you're out there listening, go see it. I know uh, Steve Wright from Potter Than Hell uh, talked to him, and he went to see it, and he said he thought uh, it was amazing. So uh, do you plan on going to see it, Chris? To be honest, doubtful. I mean, that's not saying it's – I'm sure it's good. I just – I don't go a whole lot. I mean, I'll be going to see the new Halloween, but – I mean, it's possible, but if I mean, I'll, I'll eventually see it anyway. Well, it. Uh, I think they're. I think all everybody involved. I think is going to win a Grammy. Um, the music. I, I was trying to figure out kind of what it reminded me of, and apparently he followed Eddie Vedder around a long time, and he kind of he patterned some of his mannerisms and kind of how he interacted with people off Eddie Vedder. But the opening song um, is a is a straight ahead rocker that almost to me sounds like it could have been something that this is gonna sound like a weird a weird grouping but it sounded like a cross between the rival sons and brother kane but uh the other stuff kind of veered more toward um stuff that you would hear lucas nelson play or um jason isbell to be honest with you but uh anyway it was really good and lady gaga boy she can sing and uh she was great in it so Enough, enough of our Siskel and Ebert um, impression here. H- have you been listening to anyth- anything that you want to recommend uh, to anybody? Well, before I go, I'll just say Vetter did. I, the one thing I do know about that movie is Vetter supposedly told Bradley Cooper, do not make this movie. Yeah, and Bradley Cooper's bank account is probably saying, I'm happy I made it. Yeah. yeah but anyway, as far as listening to me, new music, um, there's only one new thing that I've really heard that I'll talk about. You know anything in particular? But before I do, I just the only thing music-wise, I've just been on a I've just been on a huge Bob Mold kick. You know, this would be the what, second podcast in a row I've mentioned him because I know I mentioned on our uh, ballads I mentioned a Sugar song, which um, anybody that's never really listened to Bob Mold, I would say I would say that first Sugar record is probably a really, really, really good starting point to listen to him. Um, you know, that was his second. You know, trio. Uh, before that, he had Husker Du. You know, most people have at least heard the name may not be familiar. Um, early Husker Du is pretty noisy. Um, a lot of kind of shouting, screaming type. It may not be for everybody, but I think uh, I think Sugar people could get into. But I've just been listening, to, and I've been listening. But I really what I've been listening to is a lot of uh, a lot of solo Bob Mold. The last couple of records he's done. 
And then one that you never hear brought up. Uh, so funny. You never hear this one brought up. It's one of those great records. But the one that he did is called The Last Dog and Pony Show. Um, like I said, not, not, not really any critical acclaim on that. Uh, a buddy of mine that works, uh, you know, we have, the, we have the same employer. Let's just say that. He, um, I texted him about a week ago, and I told him, like, man, this Dog and Pony show is uh, an underrated mold record. He replied, he went, man, that album was my life when it came out. Um, so I'm not the only one. So enough of me just going on. It's like if you haven't listened to Bald Mold, you probably you probably at least know the name because he's kind of a, uh, you know, he's kind of a uh, love. A, there's a love fest for him with the critics. Um, he's worth it though. Check him out. That's one of the things I, I think is always kind of I thought was kind of weird about him, and he's viewed as this you know independent artist or you know you know alternative kind of like a godfather. You know, who's yeah. your do? And then you listen to Sugar, and it's just straight pop music. Yeah, it is. Um, there's kind of, there's kind of like I would say, I mean, then that, but that's that's the beauty of of his music is the fact that it's not all the same thing. You know, Husker Du was very, like I said, very noisy, and they're a lot of times considered a punk band. You know, maybe they're not truly punk, but um, a lot of times they're they're considered that. They're, as you say, they they're noisy, but the last the last two records. They were headed in more of that, you know, kind of poppy sound. They were definitely headed that way. And, like, the last couple of Bob Mould records have just been great rock records. But he is one, if you don't know much about him, um, let's just put it this way. Somebody you're into, he's probably their hero. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, so this week's topic is going to be a oh, fun... Wait, one, yeah. one, thing, one thing. I do want to say this. I meant to say this. Like, new music. I wanted to bring this up. I... I, I uh, I mean, I, I would be disappointed myself if I didn't. Um, I know we talked about Jason Becker before on here, and if you n- didn't hear us talk about him and you don't know who he is, he is—he's just one of the greatest guitar players, in my opinion, ever. And at what, I think 20 years old, he was diagnosed with ALS, and this is before ALS was, you know, before the Ice Bucket Challenge, before all this. I mean, this was in. Early '90s, probably around '90 or so. Yeah, it was, it was during the uh, David Lee Roth "A Little Ain't Enough" album. Yeah, he got that. I think he was diagnosed with it about a week into the getting the gig, and he recorded that album. He did tour with him, but he really, you know, lost the ability to play soon after. And uh, Jason Becker's just one of those guys. It's just, a, he, I mean, he's an inspiration. I mean, sometimes you we we bitch about how life is hard and things are tough. Man, it's guys like Jason Becker and Steve Gleason, you know, former Saints player. We have no reason to be complaining. But anyway, this guy still composes music. And, you know, the the dedication and the love of music for him to be able to, to be that patient to write. Because he's having to use a system using his eyes to write. And it also shows the genius of him. He has to know what the notes sound in his head by looking at them. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I would love to be able to know exactly how he does that. But anyway, he has a new album that's coming out. And it's going to be called Triumphant Hearts. And they just recently released, Becker released the, the first song. It's called Valley of Fire. 
and he said he wanted to have it themed like a sound like a spaghetti western. And he has what he calls the uh, the Magnificent Thirteen playing on it, and it's just a bunch of guitar players, just guitar royalty, that are on there, and they all play different parts in it. And if we when we get off when we get done with this, David, you need to, uh, if you don't mind, find the video and post it on okay. our social media, and and you will really enjoy this too because as each guitarist is playing, it shows their picture so you know who's playing. And it has quotes of them about Jason Becker. And then guys that are on it, just to name a few of them, Steve I, Paul Gilbert, um, Neil Sean, Marty Friedman, uh, Richie, Richie Cotton, and one of, one of my favorites of, you know, just guitar players. I know one of uh, Becker's longtime buddies, Mike, Michael Lee Ferkins. Uh, it's just, it's inspiring, and it's um, just amazing, amazing fretwork. So. Well, it would have to be amazing guitarist to be able to play what he's having in his head. Yeah, you know, and you, it's so cool because they all have their, they're all bringing their own styles to it, uh, but it still blends together. It's it's really really cool. You mean to tell me on that song, CC Deville's not on it? No, oh. he's not. Oh well, he's not. Hate 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 to disappoint you. No, <laughs> these, these guys, man, these are master master players. You know, you mentioned Neil Sean, and I think it's always fascinating about him. Uh, People that aren't well-versed in in his background just probably think, oh, he just plays this pop music with Journey, which, don't get me wrong, Journey's great, but, I mean, he played in Santana. He wasn't a shredder. And and Journey was, you know, originally basically a jam, kind of like a jam band, more improv, you know, they improvised a lot. And so I I think people don't necessarily, but if you talk to other guitar players and see other guitar players, people like uh, Steve I or whatever, they'll say Neil Sean is really good. It's because he wasn't a shredder. Right. People don't think of him. Right. And it's, okay. I don't believe that this is going to, I don't believe that I'm wrong when I say this. I would think somebody that knows nothing about guitar whatsoever and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pick on this guy i'm only going to bring him up because you said his name they probably would think that cc DeVille is a better guitar player than neil sean and right. i and I, I may be wrong but i kind of believe that th- that would be true because cc though he wasn't the most technical he was flashy and he was fast and the guitar was very very prominent right. and that wasn't as much the case with journey no uh-uh so just an opinion. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'll I'll find that when the when we get done, and I'll I'll post that this week. Yeah, I, I yeah, need to watch go, it, watch need, it, man. You'll enjoy it. I need to go listen to that song too because I really love a little ain't enough. I actually that's probably that song is probably my favorite David Lee Roth solo song. Yeah, well, check it out and, and read read. It's just cool too reading the quotes of all these these guitarists that know him well that have worked with him for so long. Uh, it's really really cool. Will do. All right, so that's kind of a heavy subject matter. We're going to move on to something very, very light. So I can't uh, completely take ownership of this podcast um, theme. I, I kind of borrowed it from a guy by the name of Brian Cramp, who has a podcast called Rock and or Roll. He did something similar, but uh, I thought this is something maybe every year or so we could do, and it would be fun. Um, I'm just we're going to entitle it "Musical Walk of Shame." So every one of us has songs that we have little that are our guilty pleasures. That uh, if we were around other fellow music snobs, uh, we might be a little bit uh, shy of saying I like that song. But we know we all have them. And so 
this week, Chris and I are just going to talk each about a few that we have that uh, um, are our own little guilty pleasures. And uh, so, like I said, we're going to call it uh, Music Walk of Shame. So, Chris, I came up with the idea, but I'm going to let you go first because I don't know what your list is, and I'm I'm anxiously anxiously waiting to hear what your songs are. Oh yeah, man, I'm gonna have some stuff that's pretty embarrassing on this because um, I've seen I've seen your list, and we'll talk about this as we go in. Some of yours, I'm like, that's not embarrassing, <laughs> but um, I don't see it likely that you'll say the same about my list. <laughs> um, so. The first one, I'm going to go with a big one, because um, in, in a recent one, and that's uh, Miley Cyrus's "Wrecking Ball." This is a phenomenal song. I mean, it's just a perfect pop song, and I love her raspy voice in it. Um, she sounds really emotional in it. Uh, you know, this is one that maybe I don't know. Maybe it's really not even that embarrassing because it seems like. It seems like some people do respect her and her talents, but um, but still, it's not it's not what I normally listen to. That's for sure, and I just think it's a perfect pop song. So when I told my wife our this theme, that was the she goes, "You ought to do Miley Cyrus Wrecking Ball." Uh, I think that's funny. Yeah, that's a great song. She has a great voice, and I think if she ever kind of wanted to do, uh something oh what was i can't remember her name remember that song was really big in the 90s black velvet yeah she could she could totally do that style of music with that voice well, if you ever want to see her like really rock what's from um they, and i think if you just go to youtube and watch um it's from the rock and roll hall of fame inductions a few years ago it was joan jett the year she got inducted and molly cyrus was singing uh crimson and clover with her oh i have to go check that out and it was all it was awesome all right. See that that would be a song that would be good for her. Just oh. that, that well, that style of music is good for her. Right. All right. So my first one is one of the most panned songs of the '80s, and there were a lot of songs that fit that category in the '80s. But a lot of people think this was the worst one. But I love it every time I hear it, and that is "We Built This City" by Starship. Now I was telling my wife earlier today the history behind me liking this song. When I was growing up, on Sunday afternoons, a lot of times my dad. Uh, fancied himself as a photographer, and uh, we grew up in the Mississippi. I grew up in the Mississippi Delta. We, around this time of the year, all of the cotton and all the the crops are in you know full bloom. It's actually very pretty to drive through. And so my dad would would get in his truck and he would say, you know, let's go. I'm gonna ride around and take some pictures, you know, and stuff. And my dad's a big music nut, and, and so we would always listen to Rick Dees or Casey Kasem, the Top Forty, and. This song came on. I think I would have had to be like eight or nine years old. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is the best song ever. And my dad's like, who is this? And I was like, they said it's a band named Starship. He goes, oh, I used to listen to them when they were called Jefferson Airplane. And so if you ever want to see a convoluted history of how one of the most respected bands from the 60s wound up being one of the most least respected bands of the 80s, just go to Wikipedia because it's a it's a days of our lives episode. But, uh, so anyway, I remember telling my dad, Oh, we got to hear that again. Well, you know, this is the time when you didn't have a tape deck in a, in a vehicle and you just had the radio. And he's like, I mean, I don't have any way of playing it again. So, uh, a lady that worked for my dad, her son worked at a radio station. And so he called him up. And so apparently back in those, in, in the day, they would send the top 40 on records to each individual record, uh, radio station. 
So after that, that guy, when he would get through playing the top 40 on Sunday afternoons, would give those records to my dad, which was kind of cool. And so uh, anyway, uh, that's one of my fondest memories of music and growing up. And I I just, I I love the song. And when it comes on, I get happy. And I'm sorry if that makes me a bad person because it sure is fun to listen to. Yeah, I mean, I've heard worse songs. It's not anything that I'm a fan of, but I mean, I don't just I can't say I just hate it. Um, all right, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm staying with the uh, the other uh, another young younger pop star who seems to be looks like maybe about to make somewhat of a comeback. But um, Avril Lavigne and Avril Lavigne had some songs that there was a song where Butch Walk an album where Butch Walker worked with her. I don't remember the name of it, but it had some. It has some really good stuff on it, stuff that I would not classify as embarrassing. But this song is a little bit more embarrassing because this is just a straight-up pop song, and that's the song by Avril Lavigne, Girlfriend. Um, and there's actually a really, really cool story about it, too, in Butch Walker's book. He, um, he, he basically wrote that song. And um, some sleazy songwriter in L.A. somehow got her hold of her and had her slightly change something on it, and he stole the song. And um, you'd have to read it in the book, but he stole the song from Butch, and he ended, she ended up, when she, you know, finding out how she betrayed him all, she called Butch just crying. And um, he, uh, I can't remember exactly how the story went, but he, he uh, I think he ended up texting this, this guy, this sleazeball producer, and he texted him and said, not... Because he, he heard the song before it was le- released, and that's how he knew about it. And he texted the guy, and he said, nice song, asshole. <laughs> and um, and the guy just started panicking. He said next thing he knew, he had, like, you know, I guess, like, legal people calling him and all this kind of stuff. And and he, and he then at a at a party soon after, it was a Christmas party, he said that this, this producer, who, who he never names, and he never even says the song Girlfriend, but you know it's Girlfriend, I guess in the book he's afraid to even go that far, but he's everything he's saying he's hinting to where you know it's that song, and um, he said he's at this LA this LA party, and the guy's acting like so tough because there's this big crowd and like he's just basically being a total jerk in front of Butch, and not thinking anybody Butch will do anything to him, and he said <laughs> Butch says he walks up to him, grabs him from behind the neck and starts pulling. He's like, "Come on, I'm gonna beat your effing ass." <laughs> And starts pulling him outside in front of everybody. And I can't remember how it stopped, but he said the guy was in absolute panic. Um, funny story, but anyway. Wouldn't you love to know who that is? Yeah, exactly. Because he, he knew, I mean, he knows better than to name it. You know, and this is obviously, and he said this is a big time songwriter. And he basically says that he's a known sleazeball and it's a ripoff artist. He's known that way. You said she's making a comeback. How's that? Well, I say comeback. She hasn't been around in a long time, and um, I've seen stories where she's had some kind of. I can't. Is it maybe there's some kind of disease she has that she's been sick and she's she's making she's got another album out and it coming out and um, I did click on the song because my sister posted it on Facebook. It's a uh, it's a it's basically a Christian song, and um, I mean she's not coming back as a Christian artist, but it is a it's a it's a faith song. So this, nobody's heard from her in a long time. And, um, 
coming back. You know, she, she, you know, she just looks different now. I mean, she's, she's actually a – we think about her when she first came out, like a skater boy and all that. She just looked like a little punk. She's actually a – I mean, she's a beautiful girl. Isn't she married to, like, the lead singer of Sum 41? She was married to him, and then she married Chad Kroger. Oh, boy. I yeah, which I really don't understand because not, not – forget the – you know, everybody joke – you know, has, it's everybody's joke that he sucks and his band sucks, which he does and they do. But forget that. It's just they don't see, they didn't seem like a pairing. Right. But anyway, yeah. All right. So my next one is actually a cover song, and I believe the original version was by punk band, and that is Cindy Lauper singing a song called Money Changes Everything, which is one of my favorite cover songs of all time. And I think it's off. I think it's off She's So Unusual. It's a... Um, uh, I think it's mainly about the uh, music industry. And like I said, I forget the name of the band. I had it looked up before I came on. I forgot that uh, originally did it. But it doesn't sound anything like a um, like a punk song. But uh, I was looking at some stuff to her along. She's coming where I live here soon, and I may go see her. Uh, she still plays it all the time. And it's got like an accordion in it, but it's just a great rocking song. And there's a cool version of like some type of vh1 special when she's singing it with um scott wyland and uh it's really good uh but you know uh cindy lopper i think is very very talented but that that album she's so unusual it's kind of you know it's one of the big the big albums from the 80s that people like to kind of give a hard time but i've always enjoyed her singing but uh yeah uh money changes everything if you haven't heard it go listen to it it's a lot of fun she's one of she's the first off your list you've named that I don't I just I don't know just personally I don't think naming any Cindy Lauper song really can fall into yeah but you know that that album had you know girls just want to have fun and she bop and then you know she was great songs I I know great songs but I mean it just has that 80s stigma to them you know she was all into the WWF wrestling thing there for a while and uh I don't know uh I feel like she came out of it great because she's considered considered you know a great musician but that if that album was all you heard you would just kind of say oh she was just kind of an 80s you know 80s flash in the pan which she wasn't yeah all right well i'll go with a song from the the 90s um deep blue something breakfast at tiffany's oh that's just uh hey man i told you i was gonna have some that is uh it's one of the cheesiest songs ever and i like it i don't have much else to say there's nothing really to say. I don't have any stories behind it. I just I've always liked the song. That song was so big when we were in college. And it seemed like any like late night party you went to, that was a song that somebody would play. If they didn't if they wanted the guys to to not just run off because the girls would the girls would all get into it and sing it, but that's one of those ones that he just I can't unhear. I've heard it. So I didn't much. hear it a ton in college. Um, I, I mean, I guess it would it some of those late nights, yeah. But I, I wasn't listening to any radio station really that was playing that song. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I certainly wasn't listening to records like that, so I didn't hear it a whole lot. So it didn't oh, get man. completely overplayed for me like it did you. But oh, anyway, <laughs> all right. So my next one was gonna is by Steve Perry. It's called "You Better Wait." It's from his last album that he did before the one he actually just released. It came out in 1994, and it's Steve Perry trying to do classic 80s-sounding journey in the 90s, and 
this one doesn't age well. But uh, I remember getting the CD right before I left to go to college. And, of course, you know, Chris, where, where we went to school, uh, you know, that wasn't the exactly the thing to be listening to. And I remember somebody got in my car one time and had the CD and it was on. They're like, Steve Perry, you listen to Steve Perry. And so uh, I kind of had to hide the CD in shame. But uh, that's the opening song on there. But it's a big chorus, big guitars, uh, you know, a lot of harmonies and, and, and great vocals. It's actually a really good song. But by that point, you know, Steve Perry had kind of worn out his his welcome uh, on the music scene for a while and went away. And by all accounts, is back. I, I've, I've listened to one of the songs in his, off his new album, but his voice hasn't gone uh, anywhere at all. But I don't know if he's going to tour or not. But yeah, if you could, I think the name of the album is For the Love of Strange Medicine or something like that. And uh, anyway, that was the the lead single, and it played a lot. I heard used to hear it on like Rock 103 out of Memphis, but that's uh, when maybe I'd remember it if I heard it because I don't recognize the name. Yeah, it's. I mean, no, nobody's going to play it <laughs> on the radio. No, I'm just saying I, I would have I would have heard it at that time. I would think on Rock 103. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I probably did. I just don't recognize yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna just throw in a little, uh, uh, you know, two for the price of one with one artist. Um, Peter Cetera, Glory of Love, and You're the Inspiration. I like them both. And those are not the coolest songs. No, but you have to take yourself back to when those came out, man. Anything Chicago did in the 80s or Peter Peter Cetera did in the 80s was like adult album rock gold. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's not songs I'd want to play with the windows down, you know. No. Uh-uh. down blasting them. No, I mean that's on up there, you know, with Rick Astley never going to give you up, but yeah. Uh, but the man, you talking about a guy that could sing. And uh you know, back then you could get a, a song on um one of those big soundtracks and you could make a I mean Kenny Loggins probably has three or four houses just because of all the soundtracks and Glory of Love was that the one that was on uh Karate Kid? Yes, it is. Yeah. He, uh, Huey, Huey Lewis in the News had one on that one as well. Isn't that right? Or what was the no. one? There was. Oh, he was on Back to the Future. He was losing yeah. news. Yeah. Yeah. So back then, I mean, that was a huge money, money maker. But man, there's no no shame in those. Are I mean, the guy can flat out sing. That's all. Hey, man, doing. it's all it's all a matter of opinion. You know, just like I mean, look, since some of those that you you have, it's like man, there's no shame in those, and you're saying there's no shame in this <laughs> one, and it's not that Peter's a tear as a you know an artist to be embarrassed by, but they're just not the coolest songs. Right. They're right. good, but they're not very cool. So my next one is one that you mentioned to me you didn't think was anything to be embarrassed about, but it's probably my favorite of all the classic 80s songs, and that's Hungry Like the Wolf from Duran Duran. Never get tired of hearing this one. The video was so good. Uh, even like I think I even have a copy of like Live Duran Duran where they're playing it, but uh, a fun one that's on probably everybody's 80s playlist if I had, if, you know, if I had to, to think. Yeah, I, so I grew up with Duran Duran, not for me listening to it, but my, old, my oldest sister, that was her favorite band, and I bet you if you asked her now, she'd probably still say they're her favorite band. Uh, she's seen them a ton, and I just know that a lot of, I mean, a lot of artists today still like Duran Duran and respect Duran Duran, so I don't look at them as a embarrassing artist whatsoever. Um, that song, I'm okay with that one. You know, some of their early stuff... Um, the early stuff, like I remember one time I was driving around and on uh, 
on Fred. On, um, is it Fred? I can't ever remember what they're called now. I get the Sirius and the XM version mixed up. But um, but anyway, I was listening to um, what is the what is the the Sirius one? The the uh, like the classic. Oh, okay. It Fred was the Sirius, the XM version. It's now it's uh, First Wave. So I was listening to First Wave one time, and uh, and Planet Earth came on, and I asked my sister, "Is this?" Because I I really couldn't remember. I said, "This real? This is really early stuff, right?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "This was cool because it wasn't real poppy. So it wasn't as poppy. It was just it just sounded like early, like you know, British synth pop." Um, but yeah, I, "Hungry Like a Wolf" not a bad song. I, I, Planet Planet Earth probably my favorite one by them, and then I, I liked. Um, I like Rio a lot, and John Taylor's—he's a badass bassist. I love Ordinary World. Do you like that? Well, if you remember, it's a good song. But if you remember, that—that that was my uh, on my sad songs where it seems like I heard that like the day two people close to me died. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. So it's like, uh, I don't want to hear that song. Right, I'm right. Die. So, but yeah, um, like I said, I just don't—I don't view them as a as anything embarrassing about them, really. Um. But except it was more of a, it was more of a girl band that's for sure. Let's see where can I go with this? Um, all right, I'll, I'll go I'll go back to the eighties. I'll go with the Bengals, Eternal Flame. Um, just a good Bengals ballad. And nothing really to say about it. Man, I had a thing for Susanna Hoffs. She's still hot. Yeah, she's gorgeous. If you, see, if you see pictures of her, she's still hot. She's gorgeous. And have you ever listened to the stuff she did with uh, Matthew Sweet? Yeah, I've heard some of it. Yeah. It, where they basically take uh, 60s and 70s classic rock songs. And yeah. uh, man, it's good. She's a great, she's a great, um, a great artist. And some of her solo stuff's good too. Yeah, she still has it. And they, uh, uh, I've seen videos of them playing, you know, recently and they sound as good as ever and probably all, you know, are all clean and sober and probably doing it better than they did back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a great one. All right. This next one, uh, is by Tim McGraw and it's called Southern voice. And this is probably the most cringeworthy one on my list, but, uh, I'm not a fan of that kind of country music or what, you know, is classified as, as country music these days. But the song is basically him, talking about all these great things that have come from the South. You know, he says like, uh, uh, Bear Bryant won it. Rosa Parks. I forgot, you know, did something. Reverend, uh, Reverend Graham saved it and Jack Daniels drunk it. Will Faulkner wrote it. And you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things like a lot of country songs are now. It's just basically opining about, you know, things from your youth. But, um, <laughs> it's got this line in the course and it's kind of muddled a little bit and it says the cicadas, it, what it actually says is the cicadas are making noise in a southern voice. Well, he has a lot of like references to the Alabama Crimson Tide and stuff like that. And for those of you that don't live in the South, like Chris and I do, SEC football is a religion around here. And my wife and I were, were listening to it when it came out on the radio and I was kind of singing it. And I thought basically the chorus was about SEC football. And I thought it was saying the Gators are making noise. And then now my wife kind of looked at me and was just like, 
are you insane? She's like, cicadas are making noise. But anyway, uh, probably the only time we're ever going to talk about Tim McGraw on our podcast. But Southern Voice uh, is, a, is a good song. The band that he actually has, they're actually really good that he tours with. And I think this is an album that he actually recorded with them. But uh, anyway, I, I don't really recommend Tim McGraw's music. But uh, <laughs> this song... This uh, Chris, you've got you've got when we get off, you've got to listen to it because you're going to be like, that's the most horrible thing I've ever heard. But uh, I probably will. But I've, any, only, I've only liked one Tim McGraw song ever. And what's that? Um, in my next thirty years, is that's what it's called? You got me. I think it's called "In My Next Thirty Years." Oh man! Yeah, I, I thought that was a pretty good song. I feel. I feel. It, it was probably. It was probably popular around the time when I was living in Nashville. And that's probably why I know it because I was working at, a, at people that don't know. I was listening. At, I was working at a uh, a record label in Nashville, a country label, and so country was always on. So that's probably why I know it. But I, I, I liked it. I feel um, I feel bad ragging on him because um, his wife Faith Hill is basically from right down the road from where I live, and um, he they come back a lot of times. And anyway. Uh, some members of my wife's family are actually actually friends with them, and, and by all accounts, they're just super nice people. So, uh, uh, well, he may, he may be an excellent person. Yeah, uh, but I will I will just all I will say is uh, when I was living in Nashville, working at this record label, another intern with myself, she was she was dating a guitarist um, that was a he was a, he played with somebody and he was a session player. Uh huh. And he was telling, he told her that Tim McGraw was just an absolute, I mean, it was a chore to work with him in the studio because he had, he was such a bad singer. Huh. Yeah. Uh, that they, they had to do a lot of work with him, but he was just terrible. Well, let's hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. I doubt he does. He, he does. I'm, I can assure you he does it and I can assure you he never will. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Chris, so who do you have next? All right. Let's go with a huge band about 10 years ago if we can call them a band but a uh, group whatever black eyed peas where is the love and for some people maybe that's not very embarrassing but again i don't want to roll my windows down and blast that song all right so do you remember when we did our crossover episode with the potter than hell guys and i made a gasp behind the microphone and steve white i mean steve wright was like who just made a gasp i just yeah. gasped i just gasped yeah. chris chris uh, I was certainly that's not. What this list, that's what this list. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Man, when they were on the Super Bowl, that was the worst. And like, even Slash played on it for like 20, 20 seconds with them, and that couldn't save it. But uh, I mean, I get it. It's a, it's a, it's a catchy song. But let me ask you this: Have you seen the video of Jeff Tweedy playing? Um, Tonight's going to be a good, good night on acoustic guitar. Uh-uh. All right. When you when we get through this podcast, go to YouTube. It was at, I think it was at like some type of fundraiser, and I think he was like, if you donate so much money, um, you know, I'll learn any song you want me to. So somebody, I guess, donated a lot of money, and he plays he. So he transcribes like the words to it because you know it, you can't really understand all of it, and so he's just like strumming this chord, and he's like, all right, tonight's where they go. Tonight's going to be a good, good, good night, and he's like, Mazel Tov drank hmm. you know, everybody that i've shown it to has like cried tears it's so funny but anyway check that out. yeah they uh yeah they're 
they're bad. But you know, a lot of these bands we're making fun of, they they make more money in a week than we'll probably ever make in our lifetime. So I can't feel too bad about giving them a hard time. Yeah, and and the fact is, you look at people like the Black Eyed Peas. They're not for us, but they are talented. Unlike a lot of the stuff that is popular these days. Right, and there's you know, all. It, it's it seems like nothing that's popular these days has any kind of talent to it. But they they did have talent or do have talent. What I don't know what they're doing, but well, there's also there there's also a great Saturday Night Live skit because you know it's four of them. The one that everybody knows, Will I Am and Fergie. But there's one called Apple D Alp, and there's an entire Saturday Night Live skit revolving around him. I think Jimmy Fallon does it anyway. Go look at that. It's a story. yeah. Nobody, you're right. Nobody knows who the other two are. Right. Right. All right. So my next one is Kelly Clarkson. Since you've been gone, the first winner of American Idol. Uh, I've honestly only watched about two seasons of that show, and it was toward the end. So I was not watching it uh, when she got real famous. But my parents loved the show and would tell me about it. And this was her first single, and I think she has one of the great voices of anybody in the last twenty or thirty years. And this is a this is a rock song. Uh, make no bones about it. Uh, it really showcases her uh, her range. And I took my wife to see her in concert on Valentine's Day, probably three or four years ago. And it was kind of when she was in more of one of her rock phases. And it, it was actually a really good concert, and I had a lot of fun. And uh, this one's a fun one to listen to and, and sing along to. There's a recording uh, I've got. It came on. Um, I can't, it's on an EP, a cover EP that uh, Butch Walker did. And he does the, he does that song live, and it is it is rocky with him doing it. He does make it definitely makes it a rock song. But right. when I hear that song, I can't ever think of all I can hear is it, them and I'm um, um, Howard Stern their version of it. I banged your mom, <laughs> and that's all. Any time that song's on, and I hear it, all I hear is I banged your mom. So, but, that, um, so that's just stuck in your head. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> just I mean. Just like there's a there's a Justin Bieber song that was recently out. I, I think I think he's saying, I think he's saying, "What do you mean?" And um, Howard Stern, they had a version saying, "I'll suck your ween," <laughs> and it went perfectly with that little, you know, the way that. Uh, anyway, I won't get into anything, but it it was pretty funny. So that that's I, I probably have only heard that song maybe once or twice. But if I did hear that, that's what all, that's the only version I would hear in my head. That's yeah, funny. I, I hear I banged your mom. <laughs> um, but I will, you know, I, I told you I had a I had a Kelly Clarkson song too. There's one that I liked a lot, and not that that song you name is bad, but uh, I like that one. My life would suck without you. Oh, that's a good one. I like that song, um, and that's not like super cool of me. So yeah, look, man, that one. she can. She can flat out out sing just about anybody she gets on stage with. There's very few people that are, that she has as peers, and I really think it would be fun to hear her do a legit, true country country album. Um, yeah, since I think that's her what she really enjoys. All right, so my next one is going to be a song by the Go Go's called "Unforgiven." This was off a comeback album for the, them. I think it was in like 2001, 2002, maybe um, that um, that came out. And this was the single, you know, obviously they were way past their prime, but uh, it was fun to see, and it just has a very catchy uh, chorus that I like. And, uh, you know, one of the few times you have a band that's been away as long as they 
were and come back and actually put out, you know, a quality product. But uh, that they did. And I think, I, I know they toured on it. And I think they've quit touring maybe recently, but um, a band that I think a lot of people, casual music fans, think of is this kind of 80s, almost like, you know, put together band that didn't have a whole lot of success outside of that, but they're actually pretty influential and a, a lot of, you know, really good musicians respect them. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I told you, I don't see them as a, I don't see them as an embarrassing one, but I, uh, though I don't see them as embarrassing. I did. After, after you showed me your list and all, and I was trying to think of stuff to put on here. I thought of one that, um, I don't think they're embarrassing, I mean, they were just—they were just more of a rock band. But um, I'll go with Solo Blunder Carlisle. Heaven is a place on earth. Nothing wrong with that, my friend. Takes me back to being a kid. That's for sure. Um, I have very, very fond memories of hearing that song, uh, and she's amazing. The uh, you know that darling, leave a light on for me, and circle in the sand, and I mean, she's a powerhouse singer. Um. Yeah, you're more you're, you're you're more well versed than I am. I don't know even know the songs you're talking about. Oh, oh man! Take your word for it. Yeah, I love me some Belinda Carlisle. All right, my next one is by the band Fuel called "Leave the Memories Alone," and this is when the, I forget who the guy is. I think his name's like Brett Scallion or something like that. It's the lead singer of Fuel. He had left the band. They got another singer. Um, I don't know for whatever reason this one kind of tugs at the heartstrings uh, a little bit. The best I can tell, it's about somebody either that has died or left a relationship and they're just choosing to remember the good times and, and not the bad times, you know, just leave, let's leave the memories alone and not try to do more with them than, than what it was. Um, this is probably the sappiest song I have on here. Uh, and I don't think that incarnation of fuel did a whole lot, but, um, anyway, people may think it's silly to like it. Uh, I, I actually enjoy it, but, um, anyway, fuel, I don't know it. Um, I'm going to go with one that uh, this makes me think of a movie on this one. Um, and there uh, we're talking about Walk of Shame and on. They were incredibly embarrassed until they found out they both liked it. And that was uh, Wilson Phillips' Hold On in the movie Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. When they're, You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen mm-hmm. the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're, when they're, they, they steal those... Um, those adrenaline junkies, they still steal that big Bronco and they put in their mixtape and they say, what a bunch of posers. And all of a sudden that song comes on and they didn't, neither one of them turns it and they start singing along. I think that's hilarious. And I, and I mean, that's, that's the way I feel. I mean, again, that one takes you back to being a kid. Um, it's a good song. Well, I mean, they, they have probably maybe one of the greatest pedigrees of any three people that could put a band together. Yeah. You know, all right. So my next one is, <laughs> Uh, our old buddy Bon Jovi and this is a song called Who Says You Can't Go Home now there's two versions of it the the version that I'm going to put in the walk of shame is the version that he did with Jennifer Nettles of Sugarland it's more yeah, of a pretty bad. yeah it's more of a country song than it is the the original version that's on the album I think is is more of a rock song uh and that's by a hair yeah uh <laughs> I, uh, I'm ashamed of it. Uh, so that's the, pur- that's the purpose of this, uh, that's the purpose of this podcast, but I'm ashamed of it. But, uh, I even forget the name of the album because to, in, in, in all honesty, after, 
Oh, uh, what was the album? Um, Keep the faith. After that album, I I, I dropped off uh, Bon Jovi. But anyway, but you know, at the time that this came out, that's when Sugarland was at the height of their powers, and they were a huge country band, crossover band to some extent. So uh, I'm sure John's always been good about trying to make himself relevant, and so I'm sure that's why uh, she was on the out the song with him. But anyway, it's it's probably my most embarrassing one. <laughs> All right, I'm going with one that probably that we heard a lot. We heard this one a lot. Um, some, you know, the summer before this past one, just because of uh, the eclipse. Bonnie, Bonnie Tyler, total eclipse of the heart. And um, you know, you can laugh at that one, but I have a feeling there are a lot of people that joined me on that one. There's just something about that. So that's, that's just a good song. What movie was it in the last couple of years that was on? Um, I don't know. Oh, it was maybe it's like a Will Ferrell movie or whatever, and they had a scene with him singing it. But uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting that one, Chris. That that was the biggest uh, curveball you've thrown. Um, well, it's it's a uh, it's a good song. All right, I have two left, <clears throat> and this one is off Kisses' Crazy Crazy Nights. And that is a song called Reason to Live. And it is a Kiss ballad that's heavy on the keyboards. There's something about the chorus that I just love. And I can't stop listening. Whenever I've listened to it, I wind up listening to it three or four times in a row. So Kiss is Reason to Live off, night. I think it's 1987's uh, Crazy Nights album. And uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty bad, but it's a guilty pleasure. I think that's a good song. And... I'm sure we've. I'm sure it's come up enough on here that we just don't like Kiss, and so maybe Kiss fans would say that that song sucks. But I think most. God, I, I know people. I'm sorry. I think most Kiss sucks. I think that song's actually good. So I'm not. I'm not embarrassed to say. I think that's a good song. You know, but I guess. I guess the one thing that would make it embarrassing is. Is I remember one time on the you know, we were my family was on the boat and I had it on Hair Nation and that song came on and I was like who's this this is good this is a good song so that, that's probably going to kind of feed into your embarrassment. Well, it's it's just it's got you know it's I mean I don't understand a lot of Kiss history but I think most Kiss fans think this is when they just straight up went tried to go glam you know in the eighties with everything and uh, I'm sure. It may have been one of those songs that like Desmond Child or somebody like that help them write, but uh, anyway, um, I, I've talked about it with you know we have a lot of we have a lot of good friend, good especially a lot of our podcasting friends really like Kiss, which which is which is fine. I like what you like, but uh, and I've talked to them about it, several of them about it, and they're like, no, that's a pretty good song. Uh, but anyway, it's just very kind of synth heavy, and I don't know. There's just something about it. I, I think doesn't quite. I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm kind of like, oh, I like Reason to Live, but uh, anyway. So, what's your last couple, Chris? I think that's pretty much, I think I've pretty much got mine. I probably could think of a couple other things, but I did, in, in defense, I did have two Peter Cetera's, so okay. I think we'll be even. All right, so my last one is a lady that we talked about at the opening of the show, Lady Gaga Poker Face. Love this song. Uh, always makes me smile when it comes on, um, along with several of her other songs, and uh, I think this was her first hit. And it was probably probably her biggest hit uh, still. 
uh, just it's fun. Uh, you can go on YouTube and watch her do it live. And I mean, she she'll start it out really slow with a piano. It just goes to show you how talented she is. And then it just you know turns into this you know big kind of pop you know uh, production at the end. But uh, I, I wish she would do. I wish she would do a rock album because I was doing after. Um, a star is born. I was just kind of, you know, how you get on the internet and next thing you know, you're like, how'd I wind up here? And, uh, I was watching the Lady Gaga and Metallica rehearsals for when, you know, they did, she did a uh, moth into a flame a couple years ago in the Grammys. And it was like them recording and like, like practicing like a soundstage. And she is a true Metallica fan. I mean, a friend of mine told me that, I, and I don't know if this is true, but a friend of mine told me that Iron Maiden's her favorite band. I've heard that. I've, I, 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 that's. I've, he, but then it's probably true. Yeah, I've heard that. And so she's like going, like she is like so nervous about this, and she's like, y'all don't understand. Like this is a, she goes, this is a really big deal to me, and she's like, I don't want to like make that. Metallica fans mad and she goes I have so many friends that are such big Metallica fans too they're going to be so jealous of me and afterwards Lars actually said that he and James had had mentioned like we ought to try to do something with her and if you watch those behind the scenes rehearsals it's not the one where they do the dress rehearsal this is them in like a sound stage she is like well what if we took this part and I went up to this octave and you went to this octave and and she was saying, like, we need to turn Robert Trujillo's bass up. She goes, I sing, I sing with the bass. You know, and Trujillo went over and gave her, like, a high five. And he's like, oh, a lead singer that understands bass. And she's like, that's where I get the melody from. And James and Kurt were just kind of like, wow, she is really, she's really talented. So I shouldn't be ashamed of putting that on there. But I guess just because she, some people may view her as bubblegum pop music, I, I put it on there. But I, I think she's extremely talented. Well, and another thing, too, and I... You know, I'm. I, I, I want to be careful when I say this. I'm not homophobic in the least way. I could care less if you're gay, but she's kind of a gay man's artist. You know, I mean, that's it seems to be like that. That is where her her big fan base is, like big time. Yeah. So, you know, and, I, and I'm not stating anything that's just kind of oh well, no, that's not really true. No, that that really is kind of true, but. What you said you'd like to hear her have a rock album. What I would like to have here, what I'd like to hear her say, dude, is the, um, she came in, again, I'm going to go back to Howard Stern. She came in and she did Edge of Glory on just a piano. Oh, it's great. It gave me chills. I would like to hear something like that stripped down because that Edge of Glory, though the vocals are good, that song doesn't do anything for me. It's a dance song. But when she stripped it down, it was beautiful. I mean, if, if that was, if I were, if I heard that song, I didn't know who Lady Gaga was. She was a new artist, and that song came out, and that was supposedly what her album was going to be. I, I would have bought it. Well, I think she, I think she did like a whole album of duets with like Tony Bennett. Um, yeah, but I don't like Tony Bennett. Yeah, but. I don't either. But I mean, yes, yeah, she's capable. Of, like what I was trying to say is, she's capable of doing that stripped down stuff. Yeah, I would just love to see her do some of her some of her songs. Pick whatever, just as long as she includes Edge of Glory. And do, okay, Michael Grace former misfits where he did his some of his songs and put them with just his voice in a piano i'd like to see her do that yeah i think it would sound she good to, she doesn't have to write a new album she doesn't have to write one right just be just she can go you know she can go the easier route and just take you know pick 10 cuts from her career and do it with just her in a piano well, that's d- what i want to hear if she and does I, and i would be down with that if she does that we need a cut yeah yeah, yeah, but I, I would definitely be. I would, I would be down with that. 
but the, the other stuff is just too dancey and too yeah not 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 my cup of tea well if you go see a star is born you'll you'll see how somebody like her winds up singing some of the music that she does i'll just put it to you that way you can see i how easily that happens um but anyway uh so that's it folks that's going to be it for this week uh, we had a lot of fun doing this one and i'm sure people are going to have a good time online on social media giving us a hard time uh about some of our picks and if you're going to give us a hard time about some of our picks be sure to leave your picks so we can return the favor um please everybody like our our, our page on facebook and follow us on twitter at digital killed instagram digital kill the radio star and subscribe to our podcast on Podchaser, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or um, SoundCloud. And if you go on Podchaser, you can pull up each individual episode and you can leave us a review. And so if you do that, screenshot it, hit me up on one of our social media, and we'll put something uh, in the mail to you, just like we have countless other people. The most recently was uh, David Cathy. Uh, he left us a review, I think, on Podchaser. And uh, so put a little something in the mail to him. And if you do that and send that to either me or get it to me or Chris, I will uh, get you a little token of appreciation in the mail. And uh, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, We are recording a crossover episode with the guys from Potter Than Hell this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's one that um, uh, Steve Wright and I have been trying to make this happen now for a while. And we've got a time where all parties can be there. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, probably get released um, the week of Halloween. So uh, thank you thank you again, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to go leave us a rating or a review. We'll take care of you for that. Until next time, everybody have a good week.